my message today is entitled, Set Your Mind. Let me ask you a question. What are you seeking for in your life right now? It's a question that doesn't require a quick answer, but rather a deep reflection. Sometimes we're too quick to answer instead of thinking first before we answer. A quick answer of what you're seeking often goes to material possessions or more money or job satisfaction, a certain politician in office maybe, human rights, or maybe to see justice served. But a deeper reflection of what you're seeking answers why we have made these things the ideals and the targets of our seeking and our pursuits. The truth of the matter is that often there is an insecurity in us that supposes that if we get these things or these ideals in our lives, they'll make us more secure because we'll feel more in control. Yet the more we seek in this life, the more out of control we actually are, which leads to greater insecurities, which keeps us always seeking for more. Do you have enough right now? What is your enough? Colossians 3.1 says this, If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. Paul is saying that if we've been raised with Christ, if we've been born again and regenerated and redeemed, which means redeemed for a different purpose, there ought to be a change in what we seek. A change that rewards the yearnings of our spirit rather than the yearnings of our flesh. The change in what we seek and how we go about it requires a transition. One that can only be done by Christ being in the center of our lives, being in the center of our minds and our very words and thoughts. Is Christ in the center of your thoughts? Or is He an afterthought that comes in at certain times? We are called to set our mind on the things above. The only way this is done is by us refusing to take the bait of the world for things which seem to be in our reach and look pleasing to us. For that is where all humanity stepped off the cliff. As we look back to the garden, where Adam and Eve began to seek after their wants instead of their needs. I think many times we don't even realize that we're often seeking more for our wants than our needs. And the reason is because we don't know what we need. But in Genesis 3.6, it says, So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate it. She also gave to her husband with her, and he ate. The bait that the world offers us today is the same that it offered to Adam and Eve. It's the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Of course, we all know what happened with Adam and Eve, for we still give in to those same temptations today. But we must fully realize that giving in to temptation is disobedience to God. And it causes a separation. Replacing God at the center of our lives with the world and its alluring fragrances and sights. 
And once our center has been changed, we change what we seek, whether you realize it or not. Therefore, the separation between us and God grows. For Adam and Eve, there was nothing that they could do in and of themselves to repair the breach and get back to a right standing with God. It's something that many Christians, even today, don't fully realize. Repentance is a gift that was not only secured at the cross, it is extended by a gracious God. There are many times when we think and we say, I just need to apologize and ask for forgiveness. We think that's all we have to do. Yet without a spirit-led conviction of letting you know not that you're wrong, but there's a separation between you and God, without a God-ordained change of heart, without an invitation from Jesus to come near, we are hopeless. Likewise, Adam and Eve found their center had changed and they couldn't get back to where they were with God. They couldn't just keep walking with Him in the garden. Before that choice to disobey and to seek after things that were not made for their enjoyment, Adam and Eve were completely secure because all they sought was what God provided for them. God gave them everything they needed. And in order to give them His greatest gift called love, He had to give them a choice. He had to give them free will to choose Him to seek God and His blessings. That is why God put the tree of life in the garden. People said, why did He do it if He knew they were going to sin? Because He wanted to give them choice to choose Him, to love Him. To force them to make a choice. For only by freely choosing can one choose to receive love. So much of our understanding of the kingdom of God today goes back to the garden. So I want to take a look at a few things in the garden. Genesis 2, verse 9. says, Out of the garden the Lord God made every tree grow that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. In the garden, trees grew by God's design, for He brought them forth from the ground. Now think of us today. As believers and disciples of Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit lives in the garden of our hearts. For our hearts are like soil that receive seed. For us, the Word of God is the seed that we must choose to plant faithfully in our hearts. We often hear of parables, the parable of the sower. Receive the seed on good ground. So we choose to plant God's Word in the soil of our hearts. With this understanding of the garden of our hearts, and His Word as seed, the following verse in Psalms has deeper applications. Psalm 119, verse 11. Your Word, O God, I have hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. You see, if you are having a problem with sin and anger, anger, angry thoughts and vengeful thoughts and, and a bunch of other things, it's because you have not chosen to put the seed of God's Word in your heart. For the reason, if I know it's in my heart and it's in my mind and it's in the center of my thoughts, then I won't sin against it. There's a difference between reading the Word and hiding the Word in our hearts. If we read the Word, we are introducing it to our hearts. However, if we pray to prepare the soil 
and pray for the Holy Spirit to lead us when we read, then when the Word goes in, it engages the Holy Spirit within us as understanding, insight, and discernment come forth. There are many people that set out to read a certain amount of passage or scriptures every day. And they kind of feel good because they got through their passage, but how often do we just go to the passage just to find God, to find that treasure? Not about getting a certain part done, but can I find God? Can I hear what God wants to speak me today? We know God tells us, pray for my daily bread. God, what do you want me to learn today? Not just can I finish this passage. What can you speak to me today? That's setting God, that's setting our mind on the things of God. Joshua 1.8, you know this verse. It says, The book of the law shall not depart from my mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. No matter how many times people read this verse, many people still do not get it. Reading the Bible and meditating in it are two different things. Meditating takes time, and it brings interaction between the Word and Spirit in us so that our heart and our mind can fully realize and apply each truth. The goal is not to finish the chapter. The goal is to find God. That's what meditating is. God, I want to hear Your voice speaking to me. It's only when we engage the Holy Spirit in our reading of the Word that it's truly hidden in our hearts. We're not just introducing the Word to our hearts. We're bringing the Word and the Spirit together. His Word in the soil of our hearts is given life by the Holy Spirit. It is the Spirit-filled life in us that keeps us from sinning. For it keeps drawing us back to the cross and what Christ did for us at the cross. Who can tell me what Christ did for us at the cross? Forgave our sins? What else? Right? He took the place for our sins that was our, was, should have been us on the cross. He redeemed us. What? He opened the way back to God. We couldn't do it on our own. He redeemed us. He gave us a new purpose. He gave us a new focus in life. Right? We should all know that, what the cross represents. He secured our eternity because we could not do that. It's what sets Jesus at the center of our lives so that we can seek those things from above. The way that God designed us would be that these seeds to be given to us by interacting with the Holy Spirit, they would bring forth new life if we plant them into the, the solid ground of our hearts. But in order for this to happen, there has to be a part that we play. The ground has to be taken care of. This was part of God's directions to us from the, the beginning. Genesis 2.15 The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to tend it and to keep it. Okay? So God's going to bring forth our stuff for the ground, but, but a man still has a, a place to, to play. We have to keep the garden. We have to tend the garden and keep it. Our job from the beginning is to tend and to keep the garden. As the seed of God's Word is planted in our hearts, our job is to protect the Word, to keep it, to tend it, to get out the weeds, which takes time. 
This is the job that God gave us. How do we do that? As we water it with prayer. It keeps the weeds out through regular repentance. Not going to God and say, God, give me, give me, give me, but God, show me where I, where I have sinned against you. God, remove this sin from my life. Remove these wants of the world and replace them with the want of more of you. God, show me what I'm doing wrong instead of tell me what I'm doing right. That's where our flesh wants to be patted on the back. And yet God says, I'm trying to make you become more like me. So God, show me what I'm doing wrong so I can give it to you and you can give me your heart of grace and your heart of love. When we focus on God and the things of God, the character of God and the will of God as found in the Bible, not in the world, we transition into seeking those things which are above. Like the trees that God created bringing forth fruit naturally, we don't have to draw attention to each piece of fruit as if we produced it ourselves. Galatians 5:22 and 23 says, The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, and everyone's favorite, long-suffering. Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. The fruit of the Spirit are called such because as we are focused on God and submitted to His will and led by the Spirit, these fruits come forth naturally. As we are following God and seeking to submit to Him, those, those things should naturally come from us. We should have naturally have love for one another, not judgment. We should naturally have peace, not be unsettled. If we're trusting God and seeking those things above all of these things should be obvious in all of us. I, I, I still think it back to those things that Nancy had said, those people who are stuck in Gaza in their church, and they're praising God. They didn't turn to violence or anger. Is it because we have too many comforts that we don't, we're not there naturally all the time? I think God has called us to set our things on the things above. We are not perfect, and that's why we have His grace. When we try to improve God's will by teaching people that they need to avoid suffering or to rebuke trials, it's as if we're passing off God's fruit as something that it was never designed for. Just as they are, as fruits nowadays are, have what are called GMOs, genetically modified organisms, that they've been changed, I think sometimes we've kind of changed what it is, what it means to follow God. We've kind of changed what it means, what love means, or what joy means. Instead of saying that love is God loved us enough to die for us. That's what we are to share. That's what we are to be thankful for. When we keep our focus on the things about, of God, then God brings forth His fruit in us naturally. We are the soil. His Word is the seed. Our job is to maintain the garden. When we do this, we keep God in the center. Colossians 3, verse 2. Set your mind on things above, not on things of this earth. What are the things above? Righteousness and holiness. In the book of Hebrews, we come to understand that without holiness, it is impossible to see God. Therefore, to set our minds on the things above, we must feed our spirits through prayer and meditation on His Word, through thanksgiving, through praise and through worship. 
We are always feeding one part of us, either our flesh or our spirit. When we give in to sin by giving in to the lust of flesh, we're feeding our flesh. Because there's an immediate gratification. It's part of society today, I want to be immediately gratified. However, when we feed our spirit, there's not often an immediate gratification. That's the problem with the world. There's too many people who are looking for a surface gratification instead of a foundation, which is built on trusting God. Think of it this way. The flesh is a microwave. The spirit is a slow cooker or convection oven. Right? Why do we sin? Because we get an immediate gratification. And other than trusting God, we might not get that right away, but it's, it's going to be cooked all the way through. A spirit-filled life far outweighs the ups and downs and the often empty feeling of a flesh-filled life that you have to keep feeding and feeding without satisfaction. The only way we can hope to set our minds on the things above so that it's more than a passing thought is to feed our spirit more than our flesh. Colossians 3, verse 3. For you died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Upon receiving Jesus, our spirit becomes one with Him. Therefore, we are hidden with Christ in God. We focus much on the fact that Jesus died for us, and much we should. But the reason our minds change all the time and seldom get set is because we are not reminding ourselves that we too have died if we are a Christian. We have died so that we can be born again. We've died to our flesh. We've died to our desires so that we can be born again. The only way that Christ could have entered us is if we died and took ourselves off the throne. Yet this is where many salvations are incomplete. If there never was a death, there never could have been a rebirth. If you did not fully take yourself off the throne, then you have not surrendered your life to Jesus. Oftentimes the modern evangelist says, just try Jesus. It's not what the Bible teaches. That's not how salvation works. We have to die to ourselves and to our desires and to our pride of wanting things to go our way. If you're offended because things don't go your way, you've not taken yourself off the throne. So God asks us to re-examine ourselves to look at what I'm offended at because then I'll know what, is, what I've set as the center of my mind. If you expect things to go your way in life, then you've not surrendered your life to Jesus. Jesus lived a perfect life and things didn't go His flesh's way. He didn't stay alive. He was killed. But they went His Father's way. We have to vacate the throne of our hearts to give room for Jesus. Jesus has to be given full control. And for those who have truly died to themselves, they've put themselves in a place to be born again through the Spirit of God. But how many know that the flesh doesn't like to stay dead? It continually tries to get up, like those modern movies like Halloween where the dead guy keeps getting up again and again. That's what our flesh does. And so to keep that down, we need to have a different focus to make sure the flesh doesn't try to take that throne over again. We need to continually set our mind, remind ourselves of the death of ourselves along with the rebirth. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 does exactly that. 2 Corinthians 4 verse 7 says this, 
But we have this treasure in earthen vessels. Where's our music team? We have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. This treasure in us is the Holy Spirit. When we submit our hearts and minds to Him, we set our minds on exactly what we need to know at any given time. Verse 8, we are hard-pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. We are persecuted, but not forsaken. We are struck down, but not destroyed. This is what God desires us to know. This is how we avoid the pitfalls of complaining and whining about injustice. He already tells us that things will happen that are out of our control. We are hard-pressed on every side, but we are not crushed. We are not in despair. We are not destroyed. Why? Because this in verse 10. We are always carrying about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our body. This is what the Holy Spirit brings to our minds. We have died with Christ. That's what it means to be a Christian. We've died with Christ, and we've risen in His power to overcome through love and grace and truth and faith. This is what we need to remind ourselves. When the weeds of our flesh try to crowd out our spirit in Christ, we need to faithfully feed it truth. Truth is the weed killer that your soil needs. Any part of you that's seeking after the things of this world, we need to say to ourselves that Christ is enough for me. Is Christ enough for you? Or are you still seeking for more that you don't have right now? Thanksgiving is a time where we reflect on the fact that Christ is enough for us. That we've been given eternal life. So as we focus this time on what we are thankful for and where our getting our correct center of focus correct, I share this song with you called Christ is Enough. Because Christ is enough for us. There's nothing more that we should want. We can be thankful for that, and that's why we love to share that. No matter who you are, no matter where you are in life, no matter what's going on on the outside, all of us have Christ inside of us if we've chosen contact this week. We thank you for all you've done for us. May you bless us this week. And may each one of us share the light of Jesus with someone else. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen.